The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What makes a successful entrepreneur? One who is constantly worried about the success of their business to the point where they don't have any time for themselves? Or one who keeps an eye on business but also makes time for the rest of their life? Welcome to Reclaim Your Freedom with host Shirley Dalton. In this program, you'll learn how to create an amazing, successful business and still have time for a life. Now, here's Shirley Dalton. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom and I'm your host, Shirley Dalton. Today's episode focuses on productivity and how you can get your time back. One of the most important things you can do for yourself if you're going to create your ideal business lifestyle. Our guest this week, productivity expert and business growth strategist, Stacey Brown-Randall, has one focus in life and that is to help business owners avoid business failure. She knows, she's been there, she's done that, and she's got the T-shirt, and she'll share her story with you a little later on. So welcome, Stacey. Thank you, Shirley, for having me. Stacey, it's a pleasure, and I'm really excited to talk to you today. One of the things that um, I did with my clients in Australia was to help them to systemize their business, so I'm um, a real big fan of systems, and I know you've got lots of productivity tips to share with us today. And listeners, if you can hear a little scratchy in my voice or a little clogginess, I've got a little head cold, so take no notice of that. I'm, I'm rather enjoying it because it, it makes me feel like I'm from New York <laughs> or somewhere like that, <laughs> somewhere sophisticated in America. <laughs> so, <laughs> Stacey, you're a three-time entrepreneur, certified productivity and time efficiency coach, have a background in sales and marketing and are an adjunct professor and aspiring author. You graduated with a Master's in Organisational Communication, are married with three kids one of which is your nephew, whom you have the privilege of raising. So with a business, three kids, a husband, who also has two businesses, valuing your time and being productive and efficient isn't an option for you to be a successful entrepreneur. So Stacey, let's start with your backstory. What happened with your first business that motivated you to change? I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be able to relate and are hanging on for the answers. You know, I learned a long time ago that most people will resonate more with our struggles than they will with our successes, and they'll they'll celebrate our their our successes with us, but they kind of always want to know like how we got to where we are. And my story, unfortunately, is not all roses and sunshine. And I had a business. I ran um, an HR consulting firm for a number of years and had very large clients um, as a roster of my clients, very large names um, like KPMG and Snyder's Lance and some other companies. And it is amazing to me now when I look back on it and I think to myself what that business could have done, but unfortunately that business failed after a number of years and it should have been successful. And unfortunately it just struggled. And I did not 
want to pay attention to the struggles that business was having soon enough, and it struggled, you know, struggled to hit the financial numbers that the business needed to hit. It struggled to bring in clients in a way that wasn't so much work. And I always tell folks, I earned every single client that I landed. Like mm -hmm. I probably earned them double time over <laughs> for how hard I worked to land each client. And when I look back on that business failure, there are a number of things that I can certainly point were the things that I learned and that I have definitely, what I would say, applied to the business I have today because failure, number failure again is definitely not an option for me because when that business failed, I had to go back and get a job and work nine to five for someone and it was the longest 15 months of my life before I was able to go back out on my own. And and I'll tell you, I don't just don't want to go back to that. I don't make a very good employee. And so I did a lot of looking back on, okay, what happened and how do I make that not happen again and what am I going to do when I have a chance to go back out on my own and really there's just some things that I picked up and I kind of call them my secrets to like secrets learned from business failure and one of them is really around that business development and really having a process and a system around your business development that works for you and that was just one thing that I noticed lacking in my first business that this business, the business I have now, completely has on autopilot which makes a world of difference and from a success perspective, I mean, I always tell folks, my business now is kind of kicking the hiney of my first business because of some things that I'm just doing different because I took time to learn from that failure. Wow. And and I love that you say that, like, people do really resonate with our struggles. And I know as we've been traveling through America, we bought an investment property in one of the foreclosures. And oh, my gosh, what have um, we learned from, from a lot of that? And when we posted on the Facebook, we got so many comments. And yet if we put a comment on saying, hey, you know, we've been to the uh, observatory in New York and that and people go, yeah, you know, that's nice. <laughs> so uh, I certainly can agree with you there where people resonate with our struggles um, and, yeah, they celebrate the successes. But the other thing that you've said there that I find really important is that um, you didn't let it beat you. You know, you, you went, okay, it didn't work this time around and you didn't know why and then you went and got a job and I also love that you say that you're almost unemployable because most entrepreneurs are. I mean, we, we don't like the thought of having to go and be told what to do and I can remember one time in my first um, executive position and the boss said to me, so you can have your lunch at one o'clock and I looked at him and I was horrified and I said, oh, is there any reason why I have to have it at one o'clock? And he said, well, that's when we have it. And I thought, oh, well, I lasted about three days doing that and then negotiated <laughs> with him <laughs> to, to take it between 12 and 2. So I, I certainly get that. And I really admire you for being able to um, do what you had to do. You know, you went and, and worked for 15 months, but you still had that dream. You still had that spark of an entrepreneur to come back and start another business. So so tell us then, you know, what what are some of those lessons that you did learn from business failure? You mentioned business development. What else? Or, or go back in, you know, tell us a little bit more about that as well. Sure. And I, I just want to make a quick comment too on, you know, what you said about not letting it beat me down. I'll tell you this, Shirley, it got close. <laughs> it was it was not um, the best, you know, time in my life from that perspective. And, you know, it was it was just one of those things I was in, I was running my business. I had two very small children. This is before we received custody of our nephew. And I had two small children, like None of them were like they were in pre like preschool, not in elementary school years. So you know, I had two small children. I was in my master's degree, 
Wow. And I was trying, I was struggling to save this business that, you know, I knew that if, if I did, if it failed, I'd have to go get a job. And so it did almost beat me down, to be honest, as I kind of, and I let it die a slow death, which only, you know, obviously kind of kept <laughs> the beating it down of it going <laughs> by watching it. Like I should have just pulled the cord like so much sooner, but I just didn't. It was pride is wrapped up mm -hmm. when you have a business and your identity, unfortunately, is wrapped up in your business as well. And I tell folks, yeah, the business failure, it was financially painful for us. It was emotionally and mentally draining. But at the end of the day, the biggest issue was dealing with my ego. Mm -hmm. and just getting over that and being like, oh, my gosh, like I have this failure. And so, to be honest, I didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. I didn't talk about it for a couple years, and I distinctly remember like the first small group of people I talked about this failure in front of, and like it was like the whole crowd in the audience just like turned. Like they just got that much more interested, and I noticed, and I was like, okay, you know what? I have learned from this failure. Maybe other people could learn too. And to your point, those three, the things that I say that I learned from my business failure, kind of my three secrets learned, is the first one is, is being able to touch business development every day, and this is particularly true for small business owners or, you know, solopreneurs who are in a business by themselves or um, small business owners like, you know, less than five or ten employees in particular because you're, you are wearing the business development hat. There's nobody else wearing it. As your business gets larger, you may have other people wearing that hat in addition to you, but particularly when we're small, we have to have that ability to know how to touch business development every day or we get a new client, we put our head down and do the work, the work ends, and we look up and say, oh, well, wait, I have no more clients. And this, so then this pattern, and I call it this entrepreneurial roller coaster, restarts itself over and over, month by month by month in our business. And that's just draining. And so one of the things I discovered is, okay, so what's going to work for me when it comes to business development? I have a background in sales and marketing. I actually do know how to sell. But what's going to work for me in terms of generating new clients into my business? It turns out referrals was the best thing for me, but I didn't have a system of what that should look like. And then I couldn't find one in the marketplace, which is why I ended up creating one, which I know we'll talk about a little bit later. Mm -hmm. The other two secrets that I learned were that you have to protect your mindset. Mm -hmm. you, have to, you have to remember why you're in business. And your why is not to be determined or to be um, applauded by anybody else. We play the comparison game in our society so much, and I just think that that is, it's just such a shame. You know, like I look at my business today and, you know, obviously I have an online platform within my business, but I also have a um, more one-on-one -on -one coaching platform too. I run two platforms in my business. And if I was not focused on online and just focused on my um, coaching one-on-one -on -one practice, you know, I could work two days a week and have an extremely healthy multiple six-figure business. Mm -hmm. And to some people, that's not good enough. Mm -hmm. They're like, you should want more. You should need more. And and there are parts that I do want more, and but that's I like to define that for myself. I don't like to let other people define what my success is supposed to look like. And I think it's the same thing with protecting our mindset. Is just if you let somebody in who plants a seed in your brain that then is allowed to take root, it can completely change the trajectory of your business. And with mine, mine was a well-meaning colleague. Mm -hmm. That literally said, hey, Stacy, you're building a lifestyle business, not a business that's going to win a bunch of awards. And I was going for an award, which is why the context behind this conversation. And she wasn't right, but I allowed her to be right. And that was really the beginning of the end for my business as the downward spiral kind of started happening.
And so I think protecting your mindset and remembering why you're in business and it's okay if other people don't understand, they don't appreciate it, and they don't get it, and they don't know why you want what you want. As long as you do and you have a foundation for your why, then you've protected your mindset, which is really, really important. So, so can I just jump in there and just make sure that I got that right? So you had a colleague who reminded you that you were going for a lifestyle business, not awards, but it was, but you actually wanted to go for the award? So the way that she positioned the comment was, you have a lifestyle business, you've got small children, you're allowed to work from home, you're building just a small like supplemental income type business. And that's my definition of a lifestyle business. I know there's other definitions out there. So a business that fit my lifestyle of being a mom to young children. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, businesses that are built around being able to do laundry at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, right, are not necessarily going to be the businesses that grow, that prosper, and that then can win awards. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the point to take there is that it was really important to you to have a business that that fitted uh, what you wanted to do and part of that was having the award and then what you did was you allowed somebody else to influence you and I think that's a really important point that, you know, we do do that a lot. We we get influenced by other people and, and you know, they, they tell us what we should and what we shouldn't do or what we shouldn't, shouldn't want. And it just reminds me of, uh, you know, the, the old Mexican story where they have the Mexican fisherman goes out through the day, gets his fish, comes back, um, scales the fish, has the fish, has the lunch, has siesta and then goes promenading with his um, friends, the amigos, and then with his uh, wife and, and family. And, of course, the big Harvard scholar from the MBA comes down and says, oh, Pedro, you know, you should grow this business. You should make it into a big one and have lots of fleets and lots of people working for you. And he goes, oh, and what would I do then? Oh, well, then you could come back and you could have lunch and you could have siesta and you could go promenading. And he looks at him and he goes, oh, these MBAs, he said, are they hard to get? (laughs) And I just think, you know, it, it really does come back to what it is that you want and I love that you've made that point. So we're going to take a short break. You've given us two out of the three big lessons that you've learned and I'm sure there's many more than that. Listeners, stay with us. We'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, at ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Business lifestyle. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Just Tonfeld says it's easier than you think. 
He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Well, we're back. Well, can you relate to that? You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom. I'm Shirley Dalton, and we're talking with Stacey Brown-Randall. And Stacey was honest enough to share with us that she went into business once and it failed, and the biggest thing that she had to deal with was her ego. And I'm sitting here thinking and nodding, yep, I can actually um, associate with that. We had a photography business one time, and like you, we let it uh, die a long, slow, painful death instead of just saying, no, this is not working for us. And Stacey, you mentioned so far two out of three of your big lessons that you learned from that. And the first one was that as a small business owner and a solopreneur, you are wearing that business development hat and so you need to touch business development every day and you've developed a system for that which we'll talk about in a little bit. And then the other thing was protecting your mindset. So why are you in business for your why and not to be influenced by what other people think you should or shouldn't be doing? So what's your third tip? So the third lesson that I learned was is being able and willing to have the scalability conversation with yourself. And what I learned in my particular situation is is that if your business to survive needs to be able to scale, you cannot start having that conversation when you're drowning. And so if your business is already failing and drowning and you're trying to figure out how you're going to scale and grow or just scale to survive, it's too late. And one of the things I did is I tried like a latch, a last ditch effort within my business, probably the final like eight months before I finally closed up shop to try to like shift and pivot and try something different. And the reality of it is it probably could have been successful, but it definitely needed way more runway. And it was a conversation I should have been able to have with myself in advance of when I actually started having it with myself. And so I tell everybody when I use the words like have the conversation about scalability, I don't mean you have to scale up in terms of employees. You can scale up in terms of the, you know, the revenue streams that you have coming in and what those look like. You know, a lot of folks who are more like trading dollars for hours, sometimes it's scaling up with having something that's more of an online pro- um, program that somebody can purchase. That's not so much trading dollars for hours, but it's being able to look at your business and understanding where you want it to go and having those conversations all along the way and not being scared of them. Okay. So can you give us an example then of of a conversation that you might have had with yourself? You know, what would you have asked yourself? 
So I think that what I find with most business owners is that we kind of know what we should be doing. We just don't take the time to put it on paper, and we don't take the time to actually map it out and look at it. So I had been kicking around an idea about, like, my it was an HR consulting firm that I had before, and I had been kicking around an idea of, like, how to bring employee engagement to the smallest of businesses because culture still matters at that level, but not on the same scale that I did, say, with, like, KPMG, right? And so how do you bring that to small businesses? And I think that that could have been successful. I think that there's a lot of strategic alliances that I could have had with different organizations and other firms that are out there that are reaching small business owners. And I, I knew it, and I sat on it, and I sat on it, and I sat on it. And then finally, I decided to pull out that idea and test it, and I just didn't have the runway. Like the financial runway was slowly coming to an end, and so the runway was coming to an end, and that did not actually... Um, it never came to fruition in the way that it could have been successful. Now, I think ideally... Um, you know, I believe that this is part of a greater plan, and it necessarily is not my plan. And so that business failure, you know, it was okay that it happened. But I do think if I'd had a different conversation with myself back then, that business could have turned out differently. But not having that conversation with myself means that when I started my business, I was having different conversations with myself, saying, okay, you're building a coaching practice. You want to help business owners, productivity and business growth. But where is this going once you don't have any more hours on your schedule to talk to clients one-on-one? -on -one? What's your scalability conversation? So I knew two years before I launched an online um, program that that online program would be launched at some point and was laying the groundwork for it. And so that has made a huge difference in my business. So what I'm hearing there is that you really were intentional this time around and you started out with the end in mind. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Really, really important. And the other thing that I heard there too was um, having that conversation and then taking the action. And you said that most business owners know what they're meant to be doing and yet <laughs> not everybody can actually get themselves to do it. And so, <laughs> and, and unfortunately, if you don't, then, you know, that's what happens, isn't it? I love your analogy there of the runway running out because, yes, it's um, if you haven't got a, a long runway, then it's really hard to get that plane to take off. So, so you change then from HR consulting and now you're helping small business owners with their productivity and, and also um, with their focus on business development. So, so tell us uh, a little bit about your transition into what you're doing now, you know, like what was the catalyst for that? So when I had to get the job that I took after my first business failed, I actually became a certified productivity coach um, and to have that certification while I was working at the company I was working and I was actually starting to coach people that was within that company. And so that's when I realized that this coaching thing actually fits me very well. I did not know that in advance. I had people tell me that, but I didn't know it. And so that's what kind of started me with like, hmm, this certification, this coaching certification could be um, my fallback plan or could be my plan B to get out of here, out mm -hmm. of this job. And so, and then I just started paying attention to, okay, if this, if your second business is going to be successful, how is it going to be successful? And let, and I may, I went out under the assumption that I'm going to start a productivity coaching practice. And that's what I did. What I quickly realized is the niche that I, that I settled on being solopreneurs and small business owners 
what I realized with them is that because I had run a business before, I had obviously have a background in corporate America as well and have had been exposed to some things that maybe some small business owners not necessarily exposed to, but I had run a business before, I had seen how it, how it failed, I can see that coming in my clients' eyes, even sometimes before they recognize it, that we really started having conversations about how are you running your business. And yes, productivity and your, how you're using your time is a part of that, but it was an overall overarching conversation we started having. And then I have some methodologies that I've developed around it about, okay, how are we going to run this business so it doesn't run you? And that is really when I kind of moved from productivity coaching as a mainstay to really into business coaching. Just so happens one of my toolkits, one of my you know tools in my toolbox is that I have this productivity piece. The other piece is, is of course, my clients started saying to me when I was just coaching them from a productivity perspective, they'd be like, hey Stacey, it used to be really easy to get on your schedule to coach with you. I would basically tell you when you were going to show up and now you like have an office and I have to come to you and if I don't take the second and second and fourth Tuesdays at two, then there's no way that we're going, that you don't have room for me in your schedule, what's going on? And I said, well, because I'm following this referral plan, my, de my demand for my services is increasing and supply is decreasing and you know that's changing everything about my business. And they're like, what do you mean a referral plan? And so my clients started asking me to teach that to them and that kind of shifted the trajectory of the overall business coaching that I do now, whether it's online or it's on one-on-one. -on -one. I love it. I love it. It's it's a real evolution there. And again, I really, and there's my scratchy voice, excuse me for a sec. <clears throat> I'm just from New Jersey. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I love listening to the different accents in America as we've been traveling around. I love that you were able to go with that too. You know, a lot of people dig their heels in and go, no, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing, and yet you've been able to evolve around that. You've been able to say, well, yeah, look, I had my HR consultancy and then I've done my productivity and I got certified in that and then I realised that I'm a really good coach with that and because of my experience then I'm giving that to my clients in the form of business coaching and then as your business grew, then you started teaching people about your referral plans and, you know, that's it's, it's really congratulations to you and hats off to you for taking that evolution and for listeners if you're looking at your business and thinking about where you started and if you think you know, I hope you're thinking about where you want to be taking it and then look at your own evolution and so Stacey we've only got a couple of minutes before we go to a break so we might start and then finish it after the break but tell us a little bit then about your referral plan. So one of the things I would tell folks, and I'll kind of start with this and then we can come back, but I always tell folks when you're listening to me talk about my referral strategy or my referral plan, you have to recognize that I am a contrarian to most of the advice that's been out there for the last 30 years. Most of the advice you hear is you have to ask to receive referrals and that doesn't work for most of us. It's uncomfortable. We don't like it. So I refuse to take that as the only way to generate referrals and started tinkering with different ways to generate referrals where I don't ask, but I can stay authentic and when I figured that out then I was able to put it into a process and a system that um, not only works for me and has had you know great results for me year over year over year in my business over triple digit referrals but then my clients are having the same kind of success as well. 
Okay, well, I think we're going to take a break there because you've whetted my appetite and I'm sure our listeners are wanting to hear what is your system uh, that you might share with us. You know, obviously this is how you earn your money these days, but uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Just Todd says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, at ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Deal Business Lifestyle. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to reclaim your freedom with shirley dalton if you have a question or a comment about the program please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com again that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com now back to reclaim your freedom Welcome back. If you've been listening with us today, then you know that Stacey is about to share with us her system for, now wait for this, I love this, how to get referrals without asking for them. Put your hand up if you'd like to know more about that. My hand's in the air. (laughs) In fact, two hands are in the air. (laughs) For most of us, that's the last thing we want to do. So yeah, tell us, Stacey, how do we do this? So I always tell people when you make the decision that you want to put something into your business and you're going to listen, you know, to, to somebody kind of give you their philosophy or their, you know, as an expert kind of give you advice or whatever, you really need to understand their philosophy first because that's going to inform kind of the, the processes and the procedures that they're going to tell you to follow, which will then drive the tools and the tactics they're going to want you to execute on to be successful. So I think it's important for me to just kind of let me just start with my philosophy first around referrals and then we can kind of dive into some of behind the scenes like pieces that people can take and hopefully apply right away and have some you know instant success with that but here's what I always tell folks when you truly look 
at how we are created as humans from the brain science, and then you look at the social currency economy, most of us economy that most of us participate in in the world, and you understand that the old sales axiom of know, like, and trust. You're going to do business with somebody you know, like, and trust before you decide to do business with them. If you kind of take all those pieces together, like how the brain is wired to want to help, the social social currency economy, and then of course this ability that we want to trust people we do business with, you can start to understand that referrals is a is a key to how most businesses should generate their business. But it's kind of been, I would say, hidden in terms of what you do thinking about it in a new way because most people for the last 30 years or more have said, well, if you want them, just go ask for them. And then we don't ask because that's uncomfortable, like I said earlier, and so we don't ever receive any. And I just, when I sat down and started thinking about referrals and I started thinking about the environment in which most of us operate in, I made the decision that, you know what, there's got to be a different way. And so the philosophy I kind of, kind of came up with and now have validated year over year is that referrals only come from relationships. And relationships only come from connections. And your connections need to be ongoing touch points. So truly to get referrals on any level of consistency and with any level of volume, you need to be consistently reaching out to the people who can refer you and fostering a relationship with them. And I don't mean going to grab a beer with them every week because nobody has time for that. And I certainly don't mean when I say consistent touch points, that automated newsletter you send out. <laughs> that, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying that's not a referral touch point. That's a sales touch point. And your, your sales and prospecting plan are different from your marketing plan, which is different from your referral plan. And you need all three, in my personal opinion, until you get to, you know, where I am, like 95% of all my business comes through referrals. The rest come from your people who see me speak or hear me on a podcast. And I think that's that's the piece that people have to remember is, is that what I teach you is that you're, you have the willingness to build relationships through connections and touch points to generate referrals in a way that's going to be authentic for you. And that's really important. And that has to be all about the person on the other end, which is the referral source. And so that's the philosophy behind it. And kind of my the strategy that I teach people or the plan I show people how to put in place is, okay, so what does that look like? To you know, build relationships and have touch points with people who refer us now or should be referring us. And we don't want to just do it for a month or two. We want to do it for a full year. So then we build out you know, what does that actually look like? What's the how behind that so that we can actually have these relationships built through these experiences and these connections, which are basically just touch points that you're consistent about executing on. And they mean something. They're not just an automated newsletter. So I'm guessing then that even though you have a process, it would you, you would need to work with somebody to be able to come up with an individualized uh, system for them. So you know whatever your system is, then it, it's got to be individual for the person who's going to be implementing it. So yes, so I would tell folks when I sit down with them, whether they're on my online course or they're at one of my live referral accelerators or they're sitting across from me doing some or on the phone doing one-on-one -on -one coaching is, is that I'm going to show you the framework. You're going to customize it to work for you because it has to be authentic for you. But 
we're not necessarily going to customize it to each individual person on the receiving end as the referral sources because that's a lot of work. And if you have time for that, that's great. But I teach folks how to group people together in groups by number of referrals received or by the potential to receive referrals and look at it from the perspective of, hey, if we group these people together and maybe we'll do one-off things just for certain people in that group, but overall so that we can manage it, right, we're going to do some things for this group together. That they'll feel like they're just receiving it, but I'm kind of doing the same thing for this group of folks. Um, if we have the ability to do that, then it makes it more manageable for us to keep up with it and to keep it going, but it still feels um, personalized for them. And then sometimes, obviously, you just go off your plan and do something very particular for a very particular person for a very particular reason. Okay, so I'm, I'm imagining our audience is sitting there nodding their head and understanding and listening. And can you give us an example of what one of these things might be? Absolutely. So, and I have lots of examples, so, um, but I'll give you this one because I think most people can visualize it. So here's, here's my thing. I always tell folks that most people come to me and they're like, we've got all this promotional material that's got their logo all over their materials. And they're like, we want to send these out as referral gifts. And my response back is always, your promo swag is killing your referral strategy. Like, it is great for, you know, sales but and marketing, but it's not great for referrals because my platinum principles around creating these referral experiences to generate referrals is really around you got to make it all about the person receiving it. It's got to be authentic to you. And then, of course, it has to keep you top of mind. So you have to do it consistently, not like every day. That's weird. Not even every month all, all the time. But you have to keep it consistent. And so one example I always tell folks is, is for Mother's Day one year. So here's what I know about my referral partners. I know them intimately. Right? I don't have hundreds. Right? I have a couple of dozen. And they give me over six, I mean, over triple-digit referrals, over 100 referrals every year, just from this couple of dozen folks. And so when I look at them, I know them intimately. It's, you know, it's not that many people I have to know. And I know who my top referral sources are, and I know about them. A lot of mine just happen to be working parents, right? So moms and dads that own businesses or work at companies. That happens to just generate referrals for me. So for Mother's Day last year, I did something different for Father's Day, but for that top-level referral sources, knowing that a majority of them were parents, not all of them, so of course I removed those and did something different because that would be insulting, um, I, what I sent to my top referral sources that are, were working mothers, I sent them a Wonder Woman water bottle for Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. And it just had a card on it that said, never forget, you are a hero. Happy Mother's Day, Stacy." And when they removed that card, my logo was no longer on it because I very was very specific about making sure that this gift was for them. Odds are they're not going to forget I gave it to them. And here we are a year later, and I still have folks using it and telling me about it, right, and saying, hey, I may need another one. My daughter just commandeered my water bottle. But <laughs> they know I gave that to them, and they know that what that meant to them. And it wasn't about me. And so it had that much more impact because it was about them. I recognized them, I thanked them, and I acknowledged what I believe about them, which is I think it's you got to be a Wonder Woman, right, or a Superman to be a working parent. And because I see it all day long and I walk in those shoes. And so that's just one idea that I did for my client, my referral sources, not all my clients, but my referral sources. That was just specifically one idea. And it was specific to what is it that's going to resonate with them 
that's authentic to me, right? I truly believe that they are. You know, it's it's not easy to run a business with or without children, with or without 15 pets, with or without aging parents. But for knowing my people, this would work for them. And they still use it. They remember it. And I get credit for it months, years later just for that one gift. And my name was nowhere on it once you removed the card. I love it. I love it. Listeners, did you get that? And one of the things that I'm always banging on about, and you'll get this from your HR perspective, is that you have to know your people. And often we refer to that in terms of the business and looking after your employees. But you've taken that a step further and you're saying you have to know your people, as in you have to know the people that are referring you. And then what you're saying there is that you're recognising them, you're appreciating them in a way that's authentic for you and it really is about them. It's not about you. And, and you know, the, the most successful people in business is usually the people that are there thinking about their customers, and in this case we're thinking about our referral partners, rather than, oh, what can I sell you today or how can I fill up my pocket? And, and I love that. Um, the authenticity that you you come back and then you say look at the philosophy and you know if you think about it yes we're social people and we want to be recognized and we're individuals and I can see that so in about a minute or so that we have before we go to a break can you quickly touch then on the consistency part because I, I get that there's a whole lot of creativity there and a lot of thought goes into knowing your people what about the consistency Absolutely, and it is a huge key, and that's why what I tell folks is, is that we're going to come up with these great ideas, these great what I refer to as experiences to generate referrals, to make those connections happen, to build relationship, but then we're going to lay it out on a calendar, and we're going to look at what does it look like to do that, and we're going to look at it from timing and from budget, because I believe you should do your referral plan on a shoestring budget. I do have clients who spend more, but I tell folks if we can do it on a shoestring budget, I'd prefer that, so we have to look at it on a year-long basis, and then we have to program those things that we're going to do into either our calendar or our task list or our CRM or creating a different space where you'll get reminders of, hey, it's it's November, it's time to make sure you're ready to send out your holiday card. So it's not December 15th and it hits you like, oh my gosh, i got to do a holiday card. Mm-hmm. right? Or, oh my gosh, Mother's Day is in four days and I can't even get order the water bottles in time. And so we look at it on a year-long basis and I tell my clients, wash, rinse, repeat. Do it once, set it with me once, wash, rinse, repeat year every year but just make sure you're taking those pieces and programming that into your business. And that's one of the things I kind of show them some options to do that inside the program, but it's just as simple as putting on your calendar. Mm, And I I love that there, wash, rinse and repeat. And one of the things that we did, because my husband is a really good photographer, he would take individual photos, landscapes, and then make individual cards, and we would send them out to people for their birthdays. And I can tell you the number of clients that I went into, and if you look on their desk or on their bookshelf, they would have four or five years' worth of birthday cards and it meant something to them. Um, and, and you're taking that one step further where it's not just the one-off for the birthday or maybe a, a two-off for a holiday card. You're actually planning this into a calendar 
And if you think about people in retail, you know, every month of the year there's generally something. We start with the Christmas and in Australia it's Australia Day today uh, when we're recording this and so there'll be all of the Australia Day promotions and much like your Thanksgiving and uh, Independence Day. And then, of course, February we've got Valentine's Day, March we've got St Patrick's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day. And so you would not not have a calendar in retail and what you're doing then is saying, well, let's look at our referral calendar and then schedule it in. And I love that, that you're teaching people those productivity tips there too so that they're not last minute Lucy's <laughs> and <laughs> expect, oh right. gee, you know, get the water bottles and of course, you know, lack of planning on your part doesn't mean an emergency on mine. You know, I can imagine the, the um, people with the water bottles screaming. Okay, well, we're going to take a short break and when we come back, we're going to wrap this up for you and talk about what you refer to as H2H sales and why people in H2H sales are best served by referrals. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Business lifestyle. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Jess Todfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. And we're back. I don't know about you, but my brain was just whirring in that break. We're talking with Stacey Brown-Randall, and Stacey is a productivity expert and also a business growth strategist. And Stacey has been talking to us about how we can get referrals without asking for them. And, and if you've been listening to our conversation today, then 
you can see the productivity mindset that's coming through from Stacey. Everything is organised, everything is worked out and yet that philosophy is about giving to the other person. You know, it's bringing in that human element. So Stacey, tell us a little bit more about this. Sure, you know, and I think you brought up a great point there. Like when most of the time I sit down with someone and they think about, okay, what is this referral plan going to look like over the year? They're like, wow, that just feels like a lot of work. I'm like, not if you process it correctly, not if you like systematize it as you should and automate what you can within your business. And obviously that's something that I that is near and dear to me, that I hold very near and dear to myself, is the ability to like not I'm not trying to create extra work with this process. This process can help you eliminate this referral plan, can help you eliminate the need to spend a lot of other time in other areas. Right. So you can I find building a business on referrals allows me to save a lot of time and some money. And what I tell folks is, is that I also believe that my philosophy around referrals isn't for everybody. And definitely it's best suited for people that are in what I refer to, and you've mentioned it as H2H sales. And H2H sales is human to human. So I don't need to talk to anyone at Amazon to decide I'm going to buy a book. That's a highly wired business, right? I trust Amazon for other reasons. But when it comes to what I refer to as those industries where you need to get to know, like, and trust, or your client, your prospective client needs to get to know, like, and trust you before they decide to do business with you, um, that's what I refer to as H to H sales. A lot of people say, hey, does your referral thing work B2B, B2C? I'm like, it doesn't matter. Yes, it works in both, right? It's about if you have to build a relationship with your client for them to trust you and to continue to use you, whether that's ongoing or as a repeat client, then you should be receiving referrals. You're uniquely positioned to receive referrals because you're in a position to build a relationship. Now, not every client will refer you, right? I mean, I typically tell folks, we're looking for the 30% that will, and then we want to, like, you know, take that. 30% and go gangbusters with them and really love on them and give them an experience, right? Part of the process that I've been talking about, give them experience so that we stay top of mind and it's all about them and it's authentic to us. And that is actually what I think helps turbocharge people's referral success. And people are always surprised at actually how simple this can be. Yeah, you need the pieces, right? You need to, the right messaging is important and all that can come, you know, with, with my online program. But really, a lot of folks, if you just sit down and think about this, you're in H to H sales. What would it look like to stay in touch with folks and do it in an authentic way? Like, it's not that difficult to come up with things that are easy that you can then process, and then you can also systematize, of course, and put that into your into your business so you'll actually do it. Because thinking about it is not going to get you the same results as actually doing it. I love it. Implementation is key. Implementation is key. And um, <clears throat> what, what I'm, I'm just noticing here, a little sign talking about the audio quality, so I'm hoping that uh, it, it's still coming through okay. And I love there that you were saying that not everybody is going to refer to you. So what I'm getting from that then, when you mentioned, you know, the 30%, you want to get your words, I loved it, go gangbusters and love on them. Uh, so that they stay, that you stay top of mind, but it's authentic and it's all about them. So, so again, you're going in there being quite realistic. Then, you know, if we think of Pareto's rule of the 80/20 rule, you know, 20% of people you'll get 80% of your business, etc. So we're we're roughly around the same. So it's really then a matter of analysing and looking at your clients and seeing those that are referring for you 
And the other thing that, that you mentioned was having a touch point. And, you know, people say, oh, you've got to be touching with your clients and touching with your people all of the time. And and I think you've taken it one step further, where, as you say, it's not just that newsletter. It's not just putting something out for the sake of being, oh, I've been in touch with them this month. Tick. You know, it is really thinking about what, knowing your people and, uh, and what is it that you can do for your, not only your clients, but also your referrals, because your referrals are coming from your clientele in the first place. So, right. So we've got a couple of minutes left and one of the other things that you talk about is client experience and you also have um, this great philosophy of giving and making it all about people and I also know that you have a, a gift for our listeners today. So you know, tell us about client experience and tell us about the gift as well. Absolutely. So I always tell folks that, you know, you can receive referrals from basically two categories, from your clients and from what I refer to as centers of influence or people in your network that happen to come across people who may need your services. So we want to cultivate both. For our clients, though, you'll never receive referrals for them if you do crappy work or if you have an average experience because we are experience deprived in our world today. We just want somebody to like be thankful that we're their client right, and that we're working with them. So a client experience is truly just it's how someone feels as they go through the process once they make the decision to say, yes, Shirley, I want to work with you. And then how do they feel going through that process? And you manage that feeling through the work touch points that you do, right, processing paperwork, meeting with them, delivering the reports, whatever it is, and you process that feeling through the relationship you build. So I tell folks, you should have a client experience that all clients receive and that you can maintain. And then when you hear me talk about a referral experience, we're just layering that on top of the client experience, but only for those clients and then some centers of influence that actually refer us. So we're not trying to do too much for too many people because we'd be spending way too much time and way too much money. So that client experience is really key to understanding this is what it looks like to get people to really actually want to talk about you and want to say she's amazing, he's amazing. And I know we've talked about a couple of these things today, a couple of the, the the facets that I really believe in around referral marketing, and I find people violate these a lot. So I actually, the gift I have for your listeners today is just a report that I've created. It's called The Seven Deadly Sins for Generating Referrals. It's the seven things I just don't want you to do. One of them is talking about that you ask for referrals. I don't want you to do that, right? One of them is talking about you don't have a client experience or it's choppy and how to fix it. So I. The, if your listeners go and download that report, it'll touch on some of the things we've talked about, and then it'll give them some additional information or background that they need to kind of fill in an overall picture for referrals. And so they can download that um, on my website. It's growthbyreferrals.com forward slash Shirley D. It'll have just a page for them. They don't have to get lost on my website. Just a page for your listeners to go to growthbyreferrals.com forward slash Shirley D. And I will have that seven deadly sins of generating referrals download for them, and they can just snag it for free. Fantastic. Well, there you are. Your philosophy of giving um, shows up in this as well. Well, listeners, what's your biggest takeaway from today? I'm sure there are many. Um, Stacey, thank you so much for sharing your story and your tips with us today. It was most inspirational and it's easy to see that your focus truly is to help business owners avoid business failure. Well, that's all we have time for today. As always, I encourage you to implement at least one action item from today's interview so that you too can reclaim your freedom and continue to create your ideal business lifestyle.
Thank you for joining Shirley Dalton and her amazing guest this week on Reclaim Your Freedom. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, relax just a bit and have a great week. Enjoy the upcoming weekend, and we'll see you here for the next show. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.